Welcome to The Well Podcast. We pray that this message ministers to you and blesses you as you listen. Friday night, we were at a uh, at the New Year's um, gathering. I don't know what there's a name for that. Maranatha, Maranatha, I said it wrong. Um, and uh, it was four hours of just praise and worship and word. And um, and there was a a group of us that were kind of part of the the team organizing it. And there was a kind of a thread of of text messages and things that went out afterward you know, saying how much everyone enjoyed it, and they were blessed by the night, and that kind of thing, and, um, and of course, in, in my sarcastic way, I said, well, I just pray that everyone by Sunday has got their voice back, so it doesn't sound like spunky from the little rascals, um, so praise God, <laughs> praise God, voices were restored, and, uh, and everyone did well this morning, um, I love a service when the Holy Spirit moves, um, when things are released in prayer, <clears throat> and um, I'm about to throw this microphone across the room. Um, Nate, can you switch this to another one real quick? Because this one is popping a lot. Um, where did they go? All right. Whose is this? Sophie's. All right, am I on? Good. Hopefully this one will do a little bit better. Um, but I love when the spirit moves like that because it, it, it makes my job a lot easier. Because if you've already been touched by the Lord, there's nothing I can say that's going to add to that. And so that should bring your expectation way down for me to be able to step over that a little bit easier, right? Um, but, um, but I love when the spirit moves because a touch from God can do more in a moment then, then we can talk about and preach about and we can try to get the words and information into you all day long. Um, and so I love when his spirit moves. I love when people get touched. I love when people, um, and it's one of the blessings that I, that I guess that we've seen over the last two years. Uh, I was talking with Becky this morning, and not this week, but next week will mark the two-year point for the well. Um, and it has flown by so quickly. Um, and it hasn't been without its challenges, um, for sure, um, because we, we started and we were 10 services in, and that's when COVID hit and everything shut down and all that. And, and we worked our way through that, managed our way through that, and um, God had opened doors for us and, and allowed us to be in, in this house. And, um, and we're just so thankful that, that God has moved and he's been faithful and um, has just allowed us to be a part of so many people um, so many people's lives. Um, and that's, we've been able to walk with people through struggles and through challenges. Uh, we've been able to, to be encouragers. We've been able to, um, to, to physically and tangibly go help people. Um, you know, there, there's a lot about being his hands and feet that we've been fortunate enough to be a part of. And I'm not just saying Becky and I, I'm just saying that the church in general, we, we've been able to, to do some things and reach out in our community and help some individuals um, that we've just been allowed to be that, that reflection of Christ in this world. And, uh, and one of the neatest things that, that I get excited about is when, um, 
when people find their purpose, when they find their calling, and they begin to confidently move into that, um, and they begin to, to release the word over people, um, you know, whether, whether they're the encourager, whether they're the, the evangelist, the pastor, whatever, whatever the case may be, but when they activate those things and that, that spirit comes alive in them and they're able to prophesy and they're able to speak and they're able to move and you can tell the, the spirit gets on them and they're drawn to people or they're drawn to certain issues or whatever it may be, it's exciting to be a part of that because I recognize that the kingdom of God is advancing. And, and we, in some way, have allowed to, to have been a part of that, to speak one day like we are right now, to speak a word that was a seed, and that seed sprouted and grew and produced good fruit. So, so it's exciting for me to see people come alive, to see the spirit within people come alive, to see Christ reflected in their life in a greater glory. And so that's, that's exciting for me to see. Um, but this being New Year's, um, and the first service of 2022, um, and I've heard, uh, heard already 2020 new and 2022 as in again. Um, and so people are already um, finding both positive ways and negative ways to spend the new year. Um, I, I have uh, great confidence that this year is going to be a great year. Um, in, in my heart, um, as challenging as it, as it has been, I believe COVID is finally going to go away. Um, it's going to become something that, that maybe is there. It doesn't go completely away, but it becomes so um, minor that it doesn't, doesn't occupy the headlines. It doesn't occupy every, uh, every day, and it doesn't create fear, and it doesn't create anxiety, and people are okay, you know, being neighborly and loving on one another once again because we know there are still people who are at home. There are still people who are hesitant to get out. There are still people who are challenged uh, by COVID. Um, and, and, and I'm not making light of it. Certainly people need to be cautious and you need to be healthy. And I uh, you know, advise you to take your vitamins and, and eat healthy and do all those things that I should do that I don't do. Um, but um, all that being said um, is that you're, you're going to be faced with challenges of one sort or another. If you stay home and you avoid COVID, now you're going to fight loneliness. You're going to fight, you know, boredom, whatever, right? And so there's trade-offs in everything. So, so all that being said, I believe 2022 is going to be a great year. I believe there's going to be a, a, a great awakening in the spirit. Oh, I should have smiled better. Um, well, you know, it's just odd. Anyway, you all know what's happening. But I believe there's going to be a great awakening in the spirit. Um, one of the things that, that we've seen of late with some of the, the churches and things we're affiliated with, uh, some of the, the churches that we associate with, uh, when we sit down and we have conversations, you hear the same theme coming through. You hear, you know, uh, the same scriptures and the same inspiration coming through, which is an indication to me that God is doing much more than beyond just this house. He is calling the, the region together, and by the region, I, I don't just mean just southwest Michigan, but I think it's something bigger than that that we're going to see this year. Um, uh, our, our, our church we were at for so long in Tennessee, um, it's funny, we were there October, October, I think, and, and at one point, I leaned over to Becky and I said, they're still in the beginner class. Because some of what they were saying in October was stuff that we've been saying, you know, through the middle of this year. 
Um, and it was just interesting now to continue to watch them and the messages coming out of there and how much they're, they're in line and they feel like they're just, I don't know, synchronized in the spirit, if you will. So, so I believe 2022 is going to be a great year. But um, one of the things people naturally do, um, and I got to thinking about this as I was preparing today, is like we like to reflect on what happened this last year, right? And we like to, to make our New Year's resolutions for what's coming next year, right? And we want to set these goals and that kind of thing. Um, and part of that reflecting back for me, um, given that this is kind of the two-year finish line uh, here over the next week or so, um, is really thinking about all the little steps of faith that we had to take through this journey um, and how God opened doors and how he provided and, and, how, and how there were anxious moments. Um, and, and honestly, the, the first step, I think I can say this, uh, Becky, not if you agree, but the first step was definitely the hardest. The first step where we had to step away from the church we were at for six, seven years, whatever that was, not knowing whether we were going to be alone or whether we were going to be able to find our tribe and it was going to come together. Um, that was the most anxious moment I think that we've had in this journey. And, and there's, there's been some challenges since then. And at one point I adopted the uh, motto or the phrase, I have to become comfortable with being uncomfortable um, because growth doesn't come in comfort. Growth doesn't come in comfort. If, if you're, you know, if, if you lead a comfy life and you got a good job and you go home and you put your feet up, you're not growing. I guarantee you're not growing. You are not growing unless you're, you're losing sleep and you're being challenged and, and you're overcoming things. You're not growing. But through all that, through all that growth and all the, all the troubles, not troubles, through all the challenges we've had and all the victories we've seen along the way, um, what an incredible blessing it is to, to be a part. Um, and that just excites me this morning to, to see, again, the people come alive and the spirit moving and the impartation and the seeds being planted. Um, and I'm excited to see, you know, there, there's a good report coming. You know, as we release our prayers, um, is they, they go up into heaven. And there, there's no expiration date on our prayers. Now, you can put an expiration date like deliver them by this date. And I suppose that one will expire. But if you say deliver them, if you say bring in my lost loved ones, bring in the prodigal sons, bring in those who, who don't know, there's no expiration date. And so God takes all those prayers and he puts his plans in order and he begins to arrange people and circumstances and things in order to reach those people. Because, you know, some people, some people come in, may come in a, a church door and just be ready. But chances are behind that ready, there's a lot of little things that took place along that time to get their heart ready to come in and receive. And not everyone that, that comes in the door is ready to receive. And much like me, I, I, I don't know, I went to church a year maybe, and I was trying to figure it out. Um, I was a young, very analytical, mathematician, science kind of kid, um, and, I, and I was looking for evidence. I was looking for numbers. I was looking for um, a, a sign. You know, I was looking for proof, if you will. Um, and you know what? That, that proof that I was looking for, I don't know if it ever really developed. You know, I can't, I can't go to a notebook, I can't go to a photograph and, and bring it to you and go, here's proof. 
I can't say that. But what I can say is that through circumstance, through uh, words from different people, there, there has been enough unusual, statistically impossible things that have happened to me in my life that I'm convinced that there is someone behind the curtain, if you will, pulling the levers, making things happen. And the more I've dug into this word and the more I study and search, the more certain I am that the God of the Bible is the one who is alive today, sitting on the throne, making plans for us. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you. It doesn't say you know what they are, but it says I know the plans I have for you. And so there is a God who has a plan for your life and his thoughts towards you are good and they outnumber the grains of sand. And we deal with an infinite God. And if, we, if, if he thinks about us even a little bit, a little bit times infinity is infinity. And so he is always, you are, let me rephrase that, you are always on his mind. Now he may not always be on your mind, but you are always on his mind. All right, all of that was free. None of that has anything to do with my notes here. All right, let me see. Challenging and rewarding. We kind of covered that, didn't we? All right, so as we enter this new year, the question I have for you, and this comes from the text, is where are you? And if you will, I want to read from Genesis 3. If you want to get your Bible and turn with me, I'm going to read verses 1 through 9. And if you will, let's honor God and stand at the reading of his word. And if you have your Bible or your app and you're getting there, when you got it, say, I got it. Any more? All right. All right. There's always one. All right. And I'm reading out of the NLT. And again, your flavor might be a little different. So Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, the serpent was the shrewdest of all the wild animals the Lord God had made. And one day he asked the woman, did God really say you must not eat the fruit from any of the trees in the garden? Of course we may eat from the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only the fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said you must not eat it or even touch it or you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. God knows your eyes will be opened as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing both good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and the fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it too. And at that moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness. So they sewed fig leaves together to cover themselves. And when the cool evening breeze, breezes were blowing, the man and his wife heard the Lord walking about in the garden. And so they hid from the Lord God among the trees. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? Heavenly Father God, we thank you for your word. And Father, I thank you for the seed it is to our soul and to our spirit. God, I ask that as you have prepared our hearts to receive today, Lord, that this is a good seed and it finds good soil. And let it be multiplied and grown to be good fruit in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated.
So the, the question here that God had for Adam is, where are you? Um, and we have to recognize that God didn't lose Adam. I believe God knew exactly where Adam was. And so as God likes to do in many of the questions he asks you and I, thank you, it's a rhetorical question. And so he asks Adam, he says, where are you? Which again makes Adam, or should have made Adam, reflect on where he was. And of course, he and Eve were off in the trees, hiding, covering themselves with the fig leaves. And so the, the question for Adam was, was not physically where he was, although that was part of it. But it was really, where are you spiritually? What has happened to you, Adam, that you've gone and hid from the Lord? And so this is a question that he might ask us today. Where are you? And we should all reflect on that question is where are we? Are we like Adam in the trees hiding behind a, a fig leaf of shame? Have we, have we done something that would cause us to, to fear God? Because the, 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 the thing with their death, as it was described in Genesis, was not a natural death. It was a spiritual death. It was a separation from God. And so the interesting thing here is that they could physically hear God. They could physically hear him coming. They could hear his voice. And yet spiritually they were separated from him. I wonder how many of us today might hear his voice that we might sense his presence, and yet still be spiritually separated from him. And so we have to ask ourselves the questions, where am I? You see, because the, the same serpent in the garden that day still roams about today. And that same serpent who tries to twist the word of God, tries to twist the truth, still works today in the same manner. He still works today by, by twisting the word of God, by challenging what you believe and saying, are you sure? Is that really what he said? Is that really what he, you believe? Did he really call you to that? Is that really your purpose? And he might even challenge you and say, well, how could he use someone like you? Someone with a past like yours, with a reputation like yours, how could he? And it's all an attempt to steal your identity. You see, but from God's perspective, your identity never changed. See, he came into the garden, he said, Adam, he knew who he was talking to. And God never saw Adam differently. But he saw that Adam had strayed away. Adam had lost who he was. Adam covered himself. And so God called him back and said, Adam, where are you? And of course, you know, the, the story goes that he was tempted and fell and sin entered the world through his fall. And so the question all of us should have today is, are you ready? Would you, when the serpent comes and he challenges you, when he says, is that what God really said? How could he use someone like you? You're not worthy. Are you ready to stand with the word and reminded of Jesus in the wilderness and how he stood on the word 
And every time the tempter came and challenged him, he rebuked him with the word. And so there's something about this word, this bread of life, if you will, that we have to have down inside of us and be ready for the challenge. Because that, that serpent still lurks about. And he looks to challenge our identity. So we have to ask, where are you spiritually? Is your spirit man strong? Now, this first few days of the year, we, we dedicated it in this house as a first fruits fast. And the first fruits, we're saying the first part of the year, the first hours of the year, Lord, I'm going to give back to you. I'm going to devote, especially in those hours, time to spend with you, time to draw close to you, to dig into your word. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put some things aside. One of the things we put aside is, is eating, and so we're, we're fasting. And the idea there is to make the flesh weak. And so the spirit man inside you, as you feed that spirit man, can rise within you, and it's not battling the flesh as hard. Now, anyone who's fasted knows that, that, that fasting will challenge your flesh. Suddenly, every show and commercial on the television is a food commercial. They stop selling cars when you start fasting. There's no medicine available. They're all about food. And even things you wouldn't eat. There'd be a sour potato or something in the pantry, and you'd be like, oh, that smells so good. But your flesh and your spirit battle over your destiny. And the enemy, the serpent, lurks about. And so we have to feed our soul man, not just when we're fasting, but all the time. We need to feed our spirit man and make him ready for the challenge. And so the next question we have to ask is, where are you physically? Because if you look at Adam and Eve, once they had sinned, once they had fallen, once they had realized in themselves and were ashamed, they went and hid. And so the unfortunate thing here is that when you go and hide, you suddenly are off the path that God had put you on. And so if, you've, if you have run away from Christ and you not fully nurtured your spirit, man, and your faith is not where it should be, there are opportunities and doors that God is going to open for you that you are not going to walk through. And there's going to be opportunities that God is going to present in front of you that you're not going to feel the faith to walk through. And so there's, there's, there's a, a, your spiritual man and, and the health of your spiritual man also affects physically where you are. Because you, you might still be wearing that, that leaf of shame. And, and I find that so interesting that they sewed leaves together. I, I don't know why I find that interesting, but I find that, I mean, what did they use as thread? I have no idea. But, I mean, they sewed leaves together. And I don't know, maybe, maybe I just haven't lived in the right climate, but, but I don't know. I mean, maple leaves are big, but they're not strong. <laughs> it's just one of those things that gets in there and it just comes out and just, it makes you wonder. It makes you wonder. I'm guessing the trees in the garden must have been healthier and fuller and more robust than the leaves and trees we see today. But have you 
Are you, are you still wearing that, that fig leaf? Are you still wearing that shame? Are you still wearing that conviction that God wants you to set down and come back into the garden, back into that place of intimacy with him? You see, the garden was made that, so that God could walk with Adam and Eve. And they, they walked in the cool of the day. That wasn't to comfort God. It was to comfort Adam and Eve. And God made an appointment to bring him into this comfortable place where he could commune with them, where they could have this intimate relationship, where they could walk together in their life. And it's much the same today. The word tells us that Jesus came to undo the works of the enemy and restore us into that place of intimacy that God had initially intended. And so, so we look at Adam and Eve and how, how they would have physically walked with God and how they would have enjoyed him in the garden in the midst of all creation, in the midst of, of the work that, that Adam and Eve were to do on a daily basis, they were to tend the garden. That was their role. And here God is every day visiting them in the midst of what they're doing, in the midst of their life, and walking with them every day. And it's this beautiful reflection to me of how the Holy Spirit who lives inside of us walks with us. And we should have that same intimacy with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus that, that, that we can walk our lives out in everything we do and they can walk with us and in those moments when we feel like it's it's difficult where it's uncertain where we're where we're challenged and uncomfortable we have nothing but to do but just to to raise our hand and say Jesus I know you're there with me walk with me through this difficult time walk with me through this challenging time walk through me when we're celebrating walk through me when we're when we're praising when we're lifting your name and when we're crying because we have loss and there's an intimacy there that God wants us to, to continue to have with him. And his whole plan for Jesus was to undo the, the works of the enemy, to undo what the serpent had separated and to bring us back into that place of intimacy. So the question is, where are you? Are you restored in right relationship? Is your relationship a casual, convenient relationship, or is it a serious relationship? Is it a serious relationship that you tend to daily, that you have deep, intimate conversations? And another way to put it is, are you dating or are you married? Because Christ is coming back for a bride. And one thing struck me this morning, one of the songs, it said he's coming back without spot or wrinkle. And I got to thinking about that. And if you think about 2,000 years ago and how there was no paved streets, I don't know, maybe there's wooden floors, I guess. There was a lot of dirt. And you think about a, a bride getting ready to be married. How challenging must it have been to keep that bridal gown clean? Because everything around it is just it's dirty, it's dusty. Especially in an arid climate, it just gets into the air, right? And I think about what Christ is coming back for, a bride without spot or blemish. No dirt on her. No stains, no wrinkles in her gown. And it struck me this morning that, that it's going to take some effort. It's going to take some effort. We're going to have to get that gown, and we're going to have to prepare that gown. And you know what? The, the bride who's going to be able to take care of her gown is going to have to learn how to do that. 
How many of y'all just picked up an iron one time and just went at it? Had no experience, no one ever showed you how, you just pulled it out of the box. And how'd that go? Oh, I can see it on your face. <laughs> you don't have to answer that. We'll, we'll ask you about that privately. But the point is, is that even the bride who's going to attend and be married has got some work to do. She, she has to learn how to present herself without spot or wrinkle. She's got to learn how to protect that wedding garment, how to protect that from being soiled, how to protect it from being stained. And if there's wrinkles in it, she's going to learn how to, how to get those out. And so as the bride of Christ, as we're called to be the bride, we have that same work to do. We've got to go about our lives patiently waiting for our groom to return, yet keeping our gown always clean. Because the groom didn't give us a date when he was going to return. He just promised that he would return. And we know that when he returns, things are going to move very, very quickly. And we're going to be called to the mansion, to the place that he has prepared for us. And so there is an obligation for his bride to stay ready, to look at that wedding gown, to look at ourselves and make sure that all those wrinkles are pressed out, to make sure that we're, we're getting those stains out that once were there. Because he has an expectation that we're going to get it out. There's not going to be any spots. He doesn't say we never had any, but we're going to figure out how to get rid of those. So the next question is, where are you in your priorities? Because that's, that's a good one for, for New Year's, right? New Year's, we want to change our priorities. We don't exercise enough. We, right, we're going to lose a few pounds. We're going to eat better. Right? We, we take the first of the year to reset those priorities. And those are all good things. And I don't want to discourage anyone from doing that. Um, but we like to do that at the beginning of the year. Exercise equipment, like end of December through like mid-January, I bet that's peak season for exercise equipment. It makes no sense, but that's when people buy it, right? They're ready to make a change. They're, they're, you know. And then if you go into the classifieds, like February through June, right, you can find them all on sale again. But where are you in your priorities? I have one more scripture here, Matthew 22, verses 37 through 39. When Jesus was asked by the Pharisees what the most important commandment was, this was his response. He says, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and all of your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And so I put that in here because there, there is a priority here, right? There's a priority to, to love God. There's a priority to, to, to love him not as God, but the Lord God. The one that, that, that is going to give us the direction in our lives. The one who's going to uh, give us that path, who's going to show us uh, the path to live on. And so the question for us here is where are we at in our priorities? Have we made that the most important in our lives? Do we make time for prayer? Do we make prayer time a priority? Do we feel like it's important not to miss it? No, I don't know about y'all, but, um, but I know that we prioritize being to school on time, making sure we get to our doctor's appointment, um, make sure that we get to work on time, 
right? And all those things are really important. And we will rush out the door, right? And we'll speed to get there for all those things. But how many times have we looked at our prayer time and said, oh, I got to get in there and made a rush to get in there because we didn't want to miss it. And I'm not just saying that for y'all because that, that comes back on me too. Uh, someone once said, if you point your finger, you got like three others pointing back at you, and that's really true. And so I, I'm challenged by this today, as I hope you are too, is to make prayer and your reading and your time with the Lord important. Because that, that's where you're going to gain that intimacy. That's, that's where you're going to gain that relationship. That's where you're going to gain that understanding. And so the, the other part of that, it says you're supposed to love them with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. That's your full self. Are you fully committed to the Lord? We did a Bible study back in October uh, with some of the guys here, and, and that question came up. And that was a really challenging question. What does it mean to be fully committed to God? And that's really challenging. Because does that mean that you, you sell everything and you become this nomad and you, you, you rely solely on God? And for some, maybe it does. But I also recognize in the scripture that there's other ones that say the, when the farmers go out and reap their harvest, leave the corners. Well, if we're all nomads, who's farming? So I feel like there's, there's also a precedent in scripture that says, no, you've, you've got other roles. And that's not for everyone. But does it, does it mean we have our priorities right? Are we, are we giving him 20% of our time when we should be giving him 30? Right? And, and you've heard it said, I'm sure if you've been in church any time at all, you can't outgive God. But I believe that God puts in our life and opens doors of opportunity and he allows us to have jobs that we are unqualified for. Because he wants us to be, be in a location and impart to people a word from heaven. And so I believe that, that, that having a job can honor God. And I believe that, that in those jobs, you work to honor him. It means you got to do it ethically. you got to have high standards. You've got to do a good job. Right? And don't, don't do it just for your employer. Yeah, they're going to benefit. Good for them, Right? They're, they're going to provide you in exchange, right, money to pay your bills, keep your lights on, you know, water, whatever, right? Get your hair did. Um, but I believe God has a calling on all of our lives. And I believe there is a challenge in figuring out just exactly what that is. And what does that mean for us? Right? At this, at this season in my life, this is the place he has me in. And I can, I can turn around and look at my past and I can see the, the stepping stones of how he guided and got me here. But I don't feel like this is the end. I don't feel like this is the, the, like I've arrived. And I can tell you on a personal standpoint, I got a lot of growing to do. Less out maybe, but, but a lot of more internal growing to do. But we've got to have our priorities right. And we've got to be fully committed to him. And we've got, to, we've got to pass all of our life through the filter of Jesus first. I, I tell this story, and, and, and I legitimately and honestly did go through this phase in my life. 
where I would go to my closet and open it up and go, okay, Lord, what do you want me to wear today? And, and I, little, I would pray, and I would say, okay, God, show me what, I, what you want me to wear. Because I wanted him to be in everything. If someone was going to compliment me and that was going to be an open door that we could have a conversation, I could share Jesus with them, I wanted to wear the right thing. And at some point, God finally told me, just wear whatever you want. <laughs> because God is going to open that door, Right? God is going to open that door. He's going to place you. He's going to position you. You're going to stumble and fall, and someone's going to help you pick stuff up, okay? God is not interested necessarily in someone coming up and going, hey, that's a beautiful shirt, right? They might have someone pick up, you know, the books you were carrying, and that's how the conversation is going to start. He is going to make it happen. He, he is going to look at, at your personality and characteristics and blessings and anointings and skills and abilities, and he's going to go, you know what? They're going to have the biggest impact if I put them right here. Now, to get them there, I'm going to have to send them here first, and they're going to have to have difficulty here that's going to steer them this way. And, and it's not a straight line. And you don't just suddenly jump to the end. But all these little challenges and difficulties that we go through in our lives, the Lord is simply orchestrating that. And he's simply taking our personalities and he's shaving off this little rough spot here. And he's pouring a little water and softening this, this corner here. And, and he's manipulating and shaping all of those things so that at some point in the future, all of that becomes relevant and needed in a moment. And I believe that, that if we'll dig into the word, if we'll spend time in that word, and another scripture comes to mind, and I can't quote it but, it, but it talks about if you focus more on these things, if you focus on the prayer, if you focus on, on, on the word, if you focus on learning who God is and, and his character and his nature, the more useful you'll become in the kingdom. So the question is, where are our priorities? And what does it mean to be fully committed to Christ? And for you, again, it might look a little bit different. All right, getting towards the end here. So the question is, where are you today? Where are you spiritually? Where are you physically? And where are your priorities? And as you reflect back on last year and you begin to look forward into 2022, and maybe you've already done it, maybe you've already got your list of things written down, maybe you already know how many times a week you're going to exercise that you weren't doing last year that you're suddenly going to start doing this year, maybe you've got all that figured out, but... I think we need to take inventory not only of our physical man and our physical life, but we need to take inventory of our spiritual life and our spiritual man. And so the question for you today is where are you? Do you have fig leaves sewn on, something that, that you're hiding behind, something you haven't taken back to God and asked forgiveness for? You're still hiding behind that shame, that fear and doubt? And let me just tell you, if you are, I know it's, it's hard to put that aside. But let me tell you that God is not putting that on you. He is ready for you to let that go. He's ready for you to be restored. He's ready for you to go on a stroll in the garden. And do you need to adjust your priorities? My um, latest theme here is better every day. 
To me, it's not about making some New Year's resolution. I'm going to read 30 minutes a day. I'm going to pray 30 minutes a day or whatever because you're just setting yourself up for defeat there. So my, my advice, my direction, if I could, if I would give you that, I would say just be better every day. Just be better every day. And that doesn't mean one minute today and two minutes tomorrow and three minutes the next day. Don't do that because by mid-year you're going to be exhausted. <laughs> but just be better every day. Make up your mind. Make up your mind. Make it a thing in prayer. Ask God to lay it on you, to burden your heart for a hunger for him. And if you're one that has difficulty like reading and studying in the Bible, I know that for me was a challenge for years and years. And I still am challenged by that every once in a while. But I guess what I would tell you there is find something interesting. Find something interesting and then go deep on it. Because, you know, the, the, when the Bible was written, paper was scarce. So they chose very carefully what was in the Bible. And there's a lot about the culture. There's a lot about the area. There's a lot about the, the people surrounding the Israelites throughout history that's not in the Bible. And there is a tremendous amount to be learned outside of the Bible. When you start getting into some of these study Bibles and some of these uh, commentaries that, that people have put together over the years and the insight and things that they have gained, it is amazing what, what comes alive in the Scripture. Because where there was a gap before and it didn't seem like things were connected, suddenly you understand how they're connected. And I could just use the example of Jesus in the manger. It's one of my favorite stories. And the fact that for so many years, and it can't be proven, other than you, you look at the evidence and you can say it's likely. But the manger that he was laid in as a baby the cloths that he was wrapped in after he was born could in fact be the same manger and the same cloths that the shepherds who were responsible for the sacrificial lambs wrapped the baby lambs in to protect them when they were a baby. And so Jesus comes as our sacrificial lamb. He comes as our sacrifice once and for all. And I tell you, it's just in God's nature to put them in the, in the shepherd's uh, stable there and to have the same supplies, the same tender care that every other sacrificial lamb received, that he would call the shepherds in to care for Jesus. Now, you won't get that from your Bible. But if you, if you begin to, to go deep on these things and you begin to study what people have put together and they've studied the geography in the area and you start to put locations together and you realize that that, that, that area of Bethlehem, just down the hill from Bethlehem was a field that was set aside for these lambs. And there was a particular bloodline that they came from and they were nurtured every day of their lives you know from the day they were born and that was just outside of Bethlehem and so when the angel came and spoke to the shepherds and said the lamb of God 
I believe they didn't have to tell the shepherds where to go. I believe the shepherds knew. So if you have trouble digging into it, find something that interests you and go deep. Go deep. Just study those things. Get deep into it. And again, that scripture will come alive. And then the last point I have here is it's not about perfection. It's not about getting it all figured out, but it is about pursuit. Your soul needs to burn for more of him. If you are comfortable, you are comfortably numb. Y'all, we, we worship and we pray about an unlimited God. And far too many churches and churchgoers not the people that are out in the street, but people in churches, and I'm sure you all know some of them, are content with sitting in the pew and warming that pew and getting the same message and never growing, never becoming more in the kingdom. And what I read in the, in the text, what I read in the Bible is we serve an unlimited God who is wanting to continually unfold more and more and more of his glory on the people who will knock on his door. So I encourage you today, it's not about perfection, but it's about pursuit. Oh, and I missed the reference on this one, but I got one more scripture here. And this is Paul. And he says, I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. And he's talking about this perfection. He says, or that I've already reached perfection. Just read the scripture, Wade. But I press on to possess that perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. And that's where we should be. We should be in pursuit of a God who first pursued us. We want to thank you for listening in today. At The Will, we believe in cultivating a culture for more of God. Wherever you are in your relationship and walk with God, we believe that there is always more for those who diligently seek after Him. If you would like to find out more, please check out our website at thewellmichigan.com and connect with us on social media.